this is coffee number five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to coffee number five. And today I was thinking about starting. Starting is hard and it's not only hard to to have that idea, that concept that you want to develop. And it's where you start when you have that idea. The idea is really, really important. And something that I always say is make sure that it's not out there. So many people come to me with ideas all the time. I say, did you make sure that this is not, has been done? And if it hasn't, you need to go for it because it's so unique to be able to find something that it's only you. And because, you know, after you put your idea out there, others will come map with something similar or even something very similar. So today I'm super excited because I invited someone. I honestly didn't know that she was another Latina, but now I'm even a lot more excited. And so Andrea or Andrea Lisbona, welcome. Thank you for having me there. Uh, so Andrea is the founder of Touchland. And Touchland started in a very unique way. And so you want to tell us a little bit how you started with all these concepts and and how did it go from the idea and to make it happen? Because your story is super unique. Thank you. So it was a, it's been a lot of years in the courts. Um, I come from an entrepreneurial family. My father was an entrepreneur all his life. And I, I really learned from very, from the very beginning when I was a kid, how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. And I think I became familiarized with what it is, like the risks, the taking decisions, like the not knowing if we're going to make it till the end of the month, that sort of feeling of that being comfortable with the uncertainty, which not a lot of people uh, likes to not know if you're going to have uh, funds to be able to keep paying the, the rent or pay, keep paying everything. So I do think that that being able to sit from the very beginning and see how, how exciting it is to, to really define your life and be able to create something of your own always excited me since I was a kid. Um, I always wanted to create, to reinvent something. I've been a big fan since I was a kid of of companies like Apple, like Tesla, Nespresso, companies that really took commoditized industry, like Nespresso is a very good example. And they took a category that was uh, commoditized, outdated, had to warm the coffee, wait for some time until the coffee was available. And then someone decided to make this experience much better and user-friendly and click a button and have a coffee with the quality of a cafeteria in your house. That is about, it's all about, it's about the experience. It's exactly about making it. I always tell all my clients, we don't sell products. We sell a lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. And I always feel like, as you said, when you have a good idea, there's always going to come a lot of people trying to copy you and imitate you and all that. And when you sell products and when you sell functionalities and tangibilities, that can always be copied. Everything can be copied. But if you sell on experiences, if you sell on emotions, that you cannot, you cannot replicate that. You cannot, when you, when you touch someone's heart, that's a, a very hard thing to do for someone that is building products. Um, and that's why we invest so much in really creating a lifestyle, creating an experience and really thinking not just on how it, our products look, but really how they make everyone feel. Well, that's just a second, because not everyone in the audience might know what your products are. So, okay, so. <laughs> what, what's your product? So we, I think we 
to, to give the, the, the main vision of the brand, we want to reinvent personal care experiences and turn them into rituals of skincare that people is excited about. Uh, we started with the hardest, softest, less sexy category out there, which is the hand sanitizer. And we did it pre-COVID. We really believe that keeping your hands clean is the, clean is the easiest way to stay healthy. But everything out there pre-Touchland was very commoditized. You apply like ketchup in your hand, smells like tequila, it's very sticky. Like that whole experience is from the beginning till the end, a very awful experience. So we set up ourselves to really change that experience from the product design, the form factor, the formula, the scents, everything. And we have been able to reinvent them and really take an industry pre-COVID and post-COVID um, into a growth that is faster than skincare brands. And the reason why is because, again, while the category of hand sanitizer has been decreasing post-COVID, our brand has been growing because ultimately people will still have to clean their hands. People will still have to brush their teeth. People will. It's just you really want to create a product that is not just important during like a certain moment in time like it was during COVID, but really a product that becomes an ally for the day-to-day of everyone. And that has been our vision. And, and that that's how we started. We're right now working to reinvent other personal care categories that I have a personal vendetta on because they are in the same state and situation of hand sanitizer. And I'm shocked to believe that no one has really thought of truly reinventing those experiences. So we're very excited about that. Well, how, okay. So you had the concept, you knew that you want to do something different and you want to reinvent the the way of using a product. You weren't trying to create a new category. You weren't even trying to create a new product. You were trying to create uh, a different experience of how you're using the packaging of the product. And also, I mean, you, knowing what the ingredients that we need for the hands and sanitizer part, you were trying to get a different scent, uh, maybe different texture, but you knew what you're looking for. But then you had to go and look for money. So, yeah, it's, it's been a quite, an, I think for us, the whole process has been, I mean, it's like almost like a movie because we started in Barcelona. Um, we started not in the most traditional way. We started distributing hand sanitizers. And I think some entrepreneurs just have a very good idea and then just go to market with that idea. We really wanted to understand consumers and their pain points and experiences and all that before we assume that's what people want, because I think like you can always have a false reality on that. Like that's what people need and then you launch it and that's actually not appreciated. So we started distributing hand sanitizers and then we developed a series of products in Barcelona. It was very successful, but we knew if we really wanted to be successful, there was one market that it was going to be our platform to success and that was US. So um, in 2018, we decided to move to the US market. Um, we left our families in Europe, which has been also very painful experiences because being an entrepreneur comes with a lot of sacrifices and there's all kinds of sacrifices. And I think for us, like the expats moving to a new country, which is 10 hours away in a plane, it's not, it, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, and then we did Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you know, I'm sure about it and, but it, it's ultimately worth it. And I know you only live once and you want to create something that has like a legacy to go. When you have it in you that you you want to make things happen, you need to move when things happen. You need to be in the room that it happens. Yeah. And you need to, and I think for us, it was in 2018 and we did the Kickstarter campaign. 
um, which was like a good way to get a market validation. And we, it's kind of like a way to see this is my idea. Let's see how much, if it, how much money you got from the Kickstarter. So the campaign goal was, I think around, I think we put $30,000 uh, as a goal and we ended up doing $75,000. So we did uh, 450% funding on the campaign. So it was very successful. And I know, then, what did you offer? Okay, let me exp let's explain a little bit to the audience what a Kickstarter campaign is, because it's not that easy, like, you think you put a, okay, I want to do something. It takes a lot of effort to, oh, to and strategy and planning. Yeah, I mean, we, from a fundraising standpoint, we got an investor that believed in the project and enabled us to really move to the U.S. because that's very expensive to do the change and set up operations in the U.S., so... That we did prior to Kickstarter. And then we did the Kickstarter really to understand like, are there items or are there areas of our product that people would like to see different? And I think Kickstarter allows you to really get that feedback immediately. And basically how Kickstarter works is like, it's very, it's, it's a very good platform because it enables you to set goals. And every time that you keep goals of revenue, you get some somehow perks to your backers. So in our case, for example, when, once we hit the goal of the, that we had for the Kickstarter, we asked people, hey, what would you like us to launch more, like any accessory and all that, and people was like, it would be great, a keychain, uh, like a silicone case or something to... What do you offer to people that they give you money? What did you offer? So usually the way that Kickstarter works is like people believe in your idea, they buy the product at a discounted rate. And then you can also offer many things. You can offer merchandise, you can offer like VIP accesses, you can give them. And I think you start building a community that they not only believed in you when the product was ready, they gave you the money when the product was not ready, waited for six months to make this happen. And again, it was, it was a very good initiative for us because we got to see like what sense people wanted, what accessories we, we could create, what colors we could create. So it was ultimately in order to get market feedback, a really good way to to get to test our product. Um, I think what was exciting for us is we were fully funded in 24 hours and 50% of the backers were in the U.S. So we knew that we had taken the right decision to move to the U.S. That, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. How? What are the challenges that you uh, face in changing First of all, you had to design a package because your packaging, uh, your bottle is not something standard that it's out there. So yeah. the process to decide this is this is the format because there are so many. I mean, I go to uh, Luxpack and all the events all the time and there's so many packaging out there options. It's so overwhelming. So yeah, where do you start? Uh, getting the idea okay this is the kind of package i want what were your did you had a wish list and then yeah i think we started with our design pattern is from 2014 so we we did it now almost 10 years ago and i'm a big fan of design and, and apple and their design uh strategies so one of the things that they do is they use the golden ratio in everything that they do um, which is a way to really have the proportions in a way that it, it looks good to the human eye. Um, they are in the nature. They are like a, a very common element of golden ratio that exists in everyone's handbag and pocket is a credit card. Um, so if you if you research on that, you'll see that the shape of our bottle is the same of a credit card, which is a golden ratio standard. Um, and then again, you do a lot of trade-offs and a lot of things that you want. So 
we wanted a cupless experience because bottles of hand sanitizer open the cup and then like you can see all of the hand sanitizer inside the back. We wanted to be a mist, so we wanted a mist that had like a special force that it was not too strong for people to use, but it would not release inside a bag. We wanted a pulverization pattern that really was super smooth and microminute. So we did a lot of things that go beyond just the outer shape of the product, but really the whole thing. We did a, a transparent like product, which I think this was not a very common thing specifically for like um, spray hand sanitizers, which usually were like like a like a opaque plastic, so you could not see how much product was left into the into the container. So we did a transparent window that it's like kind of a design element that is super unique to Touchland in the way that it's enclosed into this frame. So there was a lot of things that we did um, that we did through this process, and and we learned and we refined over the years. Uh, but definitely, the design of our products is something that we take very seriously, and as we think of new categories. We spend for the next category that we're launching next year, like a good three years of work. And so it's not like something that is a coincidence. It's a lot of like thinking process and like feeling the product into the, into the palm of your hands and really thinking of all of A lot of time to develop a product in the beauty industry. If you want to do it well, it's gonna, the minimum that you can expect is a year. Yeah. Minimum. But then if you want to do things right and between packaging, design, website, getting Models. it, and it yeah. a lot of time. Uh, let's talk about price point, because you were in a competitive market, there were products there. How did you see, came up with a price point that you can sell for? Um, yeah, so I think first of all, of course, our packaging and our product has like a different quality materials and all that. Ultimately, for us, because Tottenham is a beauty experience, actually, and our partners are like the Sephora's of the world, the Ulta's of the world. When you walk into a Sephora or you walk into an Ulta, you go with a mindset of buying beauty. And Tottenham is a beauty experience with a functional benefit of personal care. But ultimately, people that use Touchland, they are not buying just to kill 99.9% of the jars. They are really wanting something that doesn't crack their skin, that hydrates their skin, that it's gentle on skin, that smells great, that you want. I mean, there's a lot of people that use our product like so many times throughout the day. And it's almost like a like a moment, like a Kit Kat moment where like you're stressed out and it's almost like an aromatherapy moment because our smells are, our fragrances are developed by a perfume house, very well-known perfume house, Chivadan. And so the price point for us is because we deliver a high-end beauty experience we decided to go at that price, um, having a very high uh, cost on the on the product itself. That's what and... we were thinking about that that you have a much higher uh, cost in producing your product than uh, your competition in the market. So, and people are still buying it. Yeah, and and I think the reason why is again, I think you fall in love with the design, then you try it, and you see, okay, my hands are not like paper like like stripping with every time that I use this, then it smells great and ultimately delivers 500 sprays, which is 10 times more than the $2, $3 solution. So all together. I waste so much product with my kids and in purses. Oh my God, that they will open and I will refuse to use those little plastic things to hold from my bag from the outside. Yeah. That's something that I will never do. 
Yeah, and I think that and that's why, like, for example, we got a lot of people that said, a lot of mothers that come to us and it's like, what did you do? Why is my kid asking hand sanitizer for their birthday? Like, what's going on? And it really became a problem that it's, it has become a problem that everyone on TikTok is talking about. And the kids go to school and like, look at my cool touchland. So I do think that, that being able to reinvent that experience is, you can see, like, you can change completely the size of the market. Because again, if you take a look at the market size of Nespresso, free Nespresso, I mean, the coffee industry was like that. And these guys created an experience of everyone that never considered preparing coffee at home. Boom. They increased the market to a place that they changed the use case of that product. And I think that's what Touchline is doing, is turning people that never would use, I would personally would not use anything else. Like I, because that stickiness, it, it's not a good experience so for me. experience with something, you don't why to change something that works for you. Exactly. And there is a lot of people that when you start with as an entrepreneur with a new business, I think one of the biggest challenges as an entrepreneur is that you don't have the data, that you don't have that information of who is that consumer that it's after your product. Have you seen that you had a set, because we all do, when we are thinking about the product, we're thinking this is going to be the target audience. When you now get the data of who is your target audience. Do you, do you see any discrepancies of what you thought it would be or were you aligned with it? So I think Touchland target audience is very similar and I'm not saying it's very similar for the Apple audience, but I think you can have some, like who is Apple audience? At the end of the day, it's people that appreciate user friendliness experiences with technology. And that can be a 10 year old, an 80 year old, like it's just something that it doesn't, it's not about the age. And it's not, it's about like, what do you look on a product? But, and I think. But do you feel like there's any, when you ambition the brand, the worth, what target audience were you thinking that you will go after? I think for us, it's always been like the Gen Z's, the, like the younger generations, because I do think like once you, once you are cool to the younger generation, everyone else really believes in it. And I think that that's very similar to Apple. Apple always invested in being in schools and like being very early on and getting to discover like the great experience that the products had. And so for us, I think there's always new generations like Denix and all that. So I think for us, it's really staying on top of the trends and being the coolest brand for the younger generations. And I think it, it really is like that. Ultimately, I think they are the early adopters and then everyone else, like we have other target demographics that are as well performing as others. But I think the early adopters definitely are like the social media generation that the younger generation that really, that really look for experiences, not just like products. And um, I'm sure that you guys work with content creators, influencers, and in, in order to create a social media uh, interaction with your community. How do you feel like, uh, what was the most powerful tool or the most powerful campaign that you did using these influencers or content creators? So we we have had a lot of campaigns and some of these campaigns have started organically with the influencers. I think one of the, the funniest trends that we've seen that I was amazed when the creators did it is matching my thoughts land to my outfit. And it's like a, those TikTok videos that is like they take a product that is like the pure lavender that is lilac and then boom, they own their outfit is lilac. And then I think that was uh, because it really shows that it's a lifestyle product and that you're matching to your vibe and your aesthetic. 
Um, that was to me something that was very exciting. Um, we do have other trends going, like we have the trend right now that um, we're adding, like we're humanizing and like adding personality to our mist. So if you go on our TikTok, like people is starting to put eyes, googly eyes to the product and they chug and all that. So it really is becoming much more than, again, a beauty experience. It's like really a lifestyle brand that people feel super connected to, that they want to go on social and talk about it. So I think it's also being, being comfortable with allowing the community to create those trends. I think there are a lot of brands that want a very strict briefs and a very strict, we really want to see the potential of the community and how each community you sees just it. You a very friendly brand. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fun brand. It's, it's approachable. It's, it's a brand that really, we always comment everyone. We always, I mean, you can tell that the, the DNA of the brand is in the socials and in the team. Like everyone is just like pretty good humans and ultimately you want to have fun. And I think social media, you can tell we do a lot of TikToks with the team. And we work hard, but we have fun along the way. It's not, it's not uh, really, I, I know that a lot of people is stressed out. We have a good stress, but then we also get to really we have fun and test things. I'm in my company. That's what we do. I think that that's what it, it makes it tolerable to work every day and to keep going because you yeah. love, enjoy being with the people that you work with every day. Exactly. If you have to do it all over again. What is something that you said, oh, I wish I knew this before? I, I sometimes I get this question, but I always think, and, and, and I think that's my response, but I think everything happens for a reason and I've made a lot of mistakes and I've hit a lot of rocks, but they have gotten me where I am. So I'm concerned, like, you know, like the movie, the butterfly effect that you change one thing and then everything else changes. I think what I've learned through these errors has gotten us where we are. So. I would not change anything. I think like, of course, I, as you, as you grow, you want to make sure that you surround by good people that sometimes uh, I was too optimistic and, and believe in that people have the best interest for the brand when ultimately they had their personal agenda. So I think being a little bit more like, um, like an, an uh, I don't know how to say that to, to analyze a little bit more, from, more like, cautious a little bit more cautious because I think um, when you're young and you have like a lot of opportunity and a lot of people approach you with opportunities and all that, I think you never know what, what is the real intention. So I think being more, more cautious and having learned from, from really the mistakes and being able to, to do a little bit more of betting on, on opportunities. Um, I think when you are in such a growth mode, you, you don't get the chance to do a, a full deep analysis prior to embark on some initiatives and but I ultimately think that it's part of the journey and so uh, that's why I would not change anything I really value something that it came I, I take away from our conversation and that you were willing not only to put the work but also the time and understand that the ROI is not going to come immediately and that you have to keep investing in your company and to generate I mean you can see how many and if you see me looking on the side it's because for those that are on YouTube is that because I keep looking at your website and then your product and I see how many different fragrances you have and how many different um, that you are 
really trying to match different consumers, not only with a hand sanitizer, but also with that experience of what's their preference. Yeah. 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 And it takes time. And I think like you planning a business is not a sprint, it's a marathon and you have to have that mindset because I think ultimately if you follow the money, if you follow your advice of the money will come, if you follow the money, you may not find it. Um, and I think when you're being hit left and right as an entrepreneur, always there, you always celebrate that there's something, that a new fire that arises, you have to be with a mentality on the long run. Yeah. Always something. Well, yeah. And yes, thank you so much for having coffee with me. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. And to you guys, thank you for being here one more time. And I will see you again next week with more coffee number five. Find everything you need at larashmoisman.com or in the episode notes right below. Don't forget to subscribe. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.